Hi, I'm Lou. Welcome to season two of Therapy and the Body. One thing we always have during this lifetime is our bodies. They follow us everywhere we go, sensing our excitement, fear, joy, and more. So let's include the body in the therapeutic process. Come with me. Let's explore how together. Okay, so I'm so happy to have Jackie here. She is a woman I admire, and I have the privilege of being able to work with her and learn with her at Relational Somatic Healing. So let me jump right in and tell you a little bit about her. Jackie is a licensed marriage and family therapist with a master's in counseling from the Institute of Transpersonal Psychology. As a transpersonal psychotherapist, she incorporates the mind, body, and soul and beyond in her work. She is also core faculty at Relational Somatic Healing, a somatic-based therapy that includes the therapeutic relationship and safe ethical touch as interventions toward healing and wholeness. Jackie is trained in Relational Somatic Healing, Somatic Therapy from Hakomi, EMDR, in ketamine-assisted therapy. Today, her work focuses on therapeutic relationship, relational touch, and ketamine-assisted therapy to address developmental trauma and attachment ruptures. She is also passionate about working with those affected by cancer, grief, and loss. This passion is influenced by her own journey of loss and widowhood when she lost her husband to cancer back in 2019. Jackie's dedication is to remain in authenticity while helping others feel safe and secure enough to allow in more love, connection, and innate freedom. She has been in private practice since 2011. Her practice is based in Berkeley and Fairfax, California, and online. So welcome, Jackie. Mm. So happy to have you here. Oh, thank you, Lou. Thank you for the introduction. It's so good to be here with you. Yeah. (laughs) Okay, so today we get to talk about RESH. That's relational somatic healing and how you work with the therapeutic relationship, how you use touch and how you use ketamine-assisted therapy, I think with and without touch, huh? Yes, yes, both. Okay, great. So yay, we get to talk about these juicy topics. Yes. Yeah, so I just first want to know and want the listeners to just hear a bit about your journey to becoming a therapist and how'd you get involved in doing touch and psychotherapy? Oh, yeah, okay, that's a great question. I think it was always a part of me. Mm-hmm. You know, I think a lot of us therapists kind of, it's something that's innate and with us when we're very young. Yeah. And so I was always interested in, in people's deeper emotions and what was happening behind the scenes and my friends. And I was also influenced by my own father, who's a social psychologist. And I didn't know that. Yeah. He's a social psychologist and is just retired. And he's he does research, whereas my mom, she's a nurse. Oh. And so I like to think that both of them combined, you know, the the nurturing and also the psychology. I was really influenced by caring for others. Mm. 
And then when I was in my mid-20s, I had a health scare and I I realized I was I was shown by some people that there are other ways to heal. So alternative medicines, whether it was energy or body practitioners, mm-hmm. that it wasn't just the medical model, which I was used to. Mm-hmm. And that really inspired me to realize that not only the mind is influenced by the body, but the body is influenced by the mind. So I really understood this like connection between the two. And so when I was in my 30s, I wanted to go back to graduate school. And I went to the Institute of Transpersonal Psychology, which you said. And there was a somatic class, somatic psychology class. I fell in love with the somatics. I instantly knew I was like, this is it. This is home for me. This just feels right in my bones. Mm. And I decided, okay, I'm going to continue to follow this path. And I decided to study with Hakomi. Yeah. When I studied in Hakomi for multiple years, I was a student, I assisted, even though I knew that somatics were my home and I felt really good with the mind-body therapies, it didn't quite fit. Okay. I still felt like this is not quite it. Oh, which was just really kind of at the time upsetting because I, I questioned, is this, you know, am I going down the right path? But then I, I met Shirley, who I know you had on not that long ago. Yes. If you guys have not listened to Shirley's interview, listen to it. We talk specifically about a class we're really excited about beyond attachment. Mm -hmm. So if you want to learn more about Rush and beyond attachment, which is one of our first classes that you'd be able to take, then that episode is going to be for you. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yes. But Shirley, when she taught she was a teacher in Hakomi for a while. And when she was there teaching us some classes, I fell in love with the way she taught. She has such a magical way of just radiating love and connection. And I was like, she's doing something that I'm not getting from my past trainings. So true. Right? Yes. You feel dissimilar when you met her? Oh my goodness. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, Like, I don't know what she's doing, but I want to soak it up like a sponge. Uh I just want to soak it up. Yeah. I felt the same way. I was like, I don't know what's happening here, but I need to follow this woman. I need to (laughs) learn from her. And I now know that a lot of it was, she is so relational. It's her authenticity and relationship and connection. She's not doing therapy. She she is the healing. She's radiating the healing. Mm. I decided, okay, I'm going to practice with her. And we did practice groups as I was learning Hakomi. I had the privilege of being able to be with her when she shifted into this touch work. Wow. Yeah. So I got to witness sort of almost like the birthing place of relational uh-huh. somatic healing. That's cool. Yeah, it was, it was when she talked to our class about, okay, I'm going to start shifting gears and we're going to apply touch. We were, we were very excited and all in. And it's funny now thinking about it because in the past I had made a vision board of what I wanted my career to be. 
And I noticed that looking back at it now, I had placed a, a lot of hands in that vision board. So there were there were images of hands everywhere. And I didn't notice it at the time, but my friend pointed it out for me. Oh my goodness. I want to see this vision board. No, right? <laughs> Before you even knew you were going to be doing touch, like uh-huh. in your professional work, <laughs> uh-huh. you had hands all over this vision board. All over it. So something in my unconscious knew uh-huh. where it was going the whole time. Oh, I can't wait to see this. <laughs> yeah. 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 As I was learning this work, I started implementing it with clients and I realized I'm falling in love with therapy all over again. Because at that point I I was questioning, I was like, is this the right place for me? Do I really, I was getting really drained and really burnt out of Mm. of doing therapy. And when I started doing this relational touch work with clients, I became alive again. It was rejuvenating. And not only were clients who were having a really challenging time with talk therapy and, and even Hakomi processing work started to come alive on the table. They started to open in ways that they hadn't opened before. Wow. Yeah. Such a trip because, I mean, so many therapists are feeling so drained. And Mm -hmm. so when you started doing touch, you started to feel different. Can you talk about that a little bit more? Yeah. I felt when I was working with clients, when they were sitting across from me on the couch and I'm in the chair, I, I came across, I was working with a lot of their protectors, Mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. A lot of these old school therapy, we'll call them defenses, but these places in them that are protecting them from getting hurt again. And they're there for really good reasons to protect their heart, protect their inner vulnerabilities. But I wasn't able to really get into the place that is needed for nourishment. So I wasn't able to connect with their little ones so easily or connect with really the authenticity of who they are in the moment. Mm. So when they're on the table and they're lying down, it's almost like magic. We like to say at Relational Somatic Healing, it's, it's like they go into their own alternative state of consciousness. Wow. The little, the vulnerability, the little one, their baby can appear just right on the table. And I'm not wrestling so much with so many other parts, which there are other parts that will will come. So when you notice that when you are in front of them, just talking, them being on the couch and, and you seated as well, that you were really needing to work hard because they were defending their protector parts were very present. Mm-hmm. And then for some reason, whenever they got on the table, their internal state shifted. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. To a place that where they could actually receive the nourishment you were there to provide and that you wanted to provide. Right. Yes. Yeah. So yeah. they were much more available to receive nourishment, to re- receive connection mm-hmm. and to be in the present moment. Mm-hmm. So they may feel the vulnerabilities of what the little one experienced when they're younger and they can take in my presence more than if they're sitting across the couch from me and being more cognitive or more intellectual. Okay, right. Mm -hmm. With that, I want to add that we're really working with developmental trauma here or trauma that 
someone has experienced, you know, in childhood. Mm -hmm. And so we're able to get in touch with that space. Yes. Yeah. So developmental trauma is between the ages of about zero and five when we're so young and we're taking in a sense of safety or are we safe? Is the world safe? Can we trust life? Can we trust that our needs will be taken care of? Or am I connected and am I loved? Mm-hmm. Is someone there for me or am I all alone in life? Right. Yeah. I was just going to say those are the ones we work with most is safety and connection, but also a sense of space. I'm my own person. I'm my own being. Uh-huh. And so we we work a lot of with that on, on the table and touch work. Mm-hmm. Because we can't really get at those places cognitively or just, you know, analyzing ourselves or each other. There's something deeper and cellular and energetic. Exactly. Because when we're that young, we don't have the intellectual mind online. That doesn't develop until much later. So we're work, really working with the primitive states of the reptilian brain and the limbic brain, which is taking in more of a felt sense, like you said, energy and, and vibration. And when we're that young, when we're a baby, our first communication is through touch. So it's through our caregivers or mom or dad or some loving person who's caring for us will communicate. Yes, you're safe. I love you. You're important. I hear you. That might be scary, but you're okay now. And all of this is through connection being held with by mama or papa or somebody else. And it's through our, the nervous system of the caregiver. That's how we receive the knowing that everything's okay is because we can take in the other person's nervous system. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So we haven't really yet talked about touch in this exact angle before on this show. And so I like where we're going. It's like we're creating an opportunity for safety and connection to happen on that level that we may not have gotten when we were very, very young. Exactly. Yeah. And when we're that young, we haven't yet developed our full nervous system. So when we're just a baby, we depend on a parent or a loved one to hold us. And as they're holding us and and soothing us, that starts developing a particular part of the nervous system called the ventricle vagal, which is not developed until about, I'm not going to get this exactly right. I think it's about a couple of years Okay. Or at least a year that we depend on another person's nervous system to help us develop a nervous system inside us that says, yes, you are safe. You're connected. That was scary what just happened, but the world is is a safe place. Yeah, that's so beautiful that we get to have that kind of be recreated, even no matter what age we are. There's an opportunity for that kind of healing to happen Mm -hmm. through co-regulation. Exactly. We depend on another person to develop that part of the nervous system, but that doesn't only have to be created when we're really little. So if we missed out on it when we were little, we can develop it with anyone and especially a therapist who can meet us on a regular consistent basis to offer us this loving touch, this safe ethical touch. Mm -hmm. 
And I'm just curious to know how you can tell that their internal state has shifted to a place where there's more openness to receive that kind of nourishment. As Mm -hmm. someone goes from the couch to the table, like, is there a way, like, how do you tell? How do I tell if they're... How can you tell? They've shifted into a... Yeah. I mean, I can tell from my own body. I feel it in the room. I feel energetically a shift. So what we're really doing is co-regulating with each other. And when their nervous system starts to feel in a flow or what we call regulated, then my nervous system can pick it up too. And we're in this beautiful connection together. When that shift happens, I can feel that through my own body, I can sense it in, in the energy field. Like we have a relational field that we're connecting into something larger and I can feel almost like the energy between us shift. And in my own body, I notice like I feel like a dropping in. I feel more dropped in. I feel more centered and presence. There's a real presence that's available, not just to the client, but also for me. Mm. This is why I think it's really nourishing to work in this way because we're able to be more present with what's happening for both the client and for me. Mm. We get to be more in the field of presence. And like Bonnie Bain Bridge-Cohen, she's one of our huge influencers. You've probably talked about her in some of your podcasts. You haven't. Not not much. So if there's anything you want to share about her, yeah, feel free. Yeah. She is um, body-mind centering is her creation. And she is deeply, her whole life, she is, I think, in her 70s now, Lou? No, she's, she's about 80 right now. 80 now. That's yeah. right. So she has been deep in, in the work of somatic healing and being very in touch with the body and how the body communicates. To he- She healed, she had polio herself, I believe. Yeah. Yeah. Is that? I, I believe so. She healed her own body, which is unheard of, really. So she has been a huge influence in our work. We like to call her the grandmother of our work. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And she says when we're touched, touching the, she says that when we're touching the client, we're also being touched. So I really see this work as healing, not just for the client, but for us as well, when we're, we're in this field of healing together. Mm, I really appreciate how you said that, mm-hmm. that you're in a field of healing together. Wow. <laughs> I'm so curious if any images come to your mind as you're listening to this. So imagine you're in a field of healing with another. What does that look and feel like to you in your mind and body? Mm. that's just so beautiful Mm -hmm. I just completely relaxed as you were saying that it's almost like I was melting and in butter oh yeah (laughs) so nice Mm. Mm -hmm. wow and so Jackie you have taken this another step forward another step like (laughs) you have gone another level in with the ketamine assisted therapy I don't even know where to start. I'm really curious, like how this influences your work, how it's deepened your work or changed it. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Ketamine came into my life 
back in 2019, mm-hmm. I heard about ketamine. I was a little suspicious about it. I wasn't so sure, you know, because many people might know it as an anesthetic. Right. I think we should start off by sharing even what that is. So ketamine assisted therapy, it is completely legal for licensed practitioners to incorporate that into a therapeutic, into therapy. So Mm -hmm. just want to say that. So yeah, I I knew it as a a horse tranquilizer initially, but then I started, yeah. (laughs) So it was used for, with veterinarians and also used in the medical field for anesthesia. And it was recently, you know, in the past, I guess we're a lot further along than a few years now. It was then brought to my attention how it can be used as a psychedelic assisted therapy tool. I wasn't so sure about it, but a friend of mine who's a psychiatrist decided that it would be beneficial for my husband who was going through cancer at the time to possibly use that for his own healing or to help soothe a lot of pain that he was in, both physical and emotional pain. So just to say for your listeners, my husband had stage four pancreatic cancer. It's a very painful cancer, very painful disease. And he was becoming more and more depressed about it. When this friend offered an opportunity for us to experience, for him to experience ketamine assisted therapy, they came to our home, him and a nurse practitioner, and we held space for my husband to take some lozenges. There's multiple ways you can receive ketamine. One is through an IV. Another one is nasally. Don't know what you call that, but the nasal. The pump or something. Yeah, like pump. Uh-huh. Oh, interesting. Like it, yeah. you can inhale it. Yes. In small doses or lozenges. Okay. That's when my husband at the time took was certain amount of lozenges, which we would call a high dose. So that would create a psychedelic experience for him. He ended up having a deep, deeper understanding about his cancer that helped him make meaning out of what it was for him and how it was connected to his childhood and to the collective experience of what was happening in the world today and gave him a greater purpose of showing up in life with this disease and how he can help himself and also other people with the disease. Witnessing what it did for him, not only just on a psychological and spiritual, but also helping him relieve some pain for a while and relieve some of his depression. I was all in. Right. So I decided after that, I need to look into this. I'm going to train in this. I want to be able to offer other people who are, are suffering and not able to find forward movement in their own healing journey, whether it's through therapy or through other practitioners. Wow. There's so much heart and courage and purpose in why you've decided to go this route. Yes, this is a calling at this point for me. It's touched my life and this is my heart's work coming from a place of truly understanding 
this work really comes from my heart. This is beyond just knowing the benefit of what it can do for my clients, but passion of how it's helped me and my husband go through a really challenging and painful time in our life and to be held and and cared for with this medicine and by touch work. I am resilient today because of those two things. Wow. Mm-hmm. Wow. Wow. I'm I'm so touched by your sharing, Jackie. And I know the depth of your experience is far beyond what can be communicated here. Mm-hmm. And I know for sure that people are gonna find so much value in in what you're sharing. And I know somebody out there is really relating to you right now. Yeah. Yeah. And you make a difference. Mm. Thank you, Lou. Appreciate that. Uh And the more that I've been doing this work, I have found that the combination of touch with ketamine has been just profound. Like I was saying before, you know, that touch work can be its own altered state of consciousness. Yeah. Getting on it the table is its own ride. But I've noticed that when clients go on the table, there can still be a a stuckness in, in there. And that's when there's looping or there's not movement in their healing. Having them take out some ketamine, whether it's a low dose, small dose, which a small dose allows us to still be able to communicate with our client they have more of an expanded experience so they can see their problem or see the trauma, but from their mind is more malleable so they can start opening and seeing things from different angles. And there's a sort of resourcing effect so that they feel a little bit safer to take in the present moment. So it slows things down a little bit. Mm-hmm. And that helps us create an opening to be able to connect with, let's say, the young one or some of their trauma that's um, being protected around. Mm-hmm. That's one angle. Another one is that oftentimes when people, let's say, they just do ketamine-assisted therapy, and you're not you're not applying touch necessarily. I've noticed that trauma can come up very easily in these psychedelic realms. And one of the traumas that come up quite a lot is developmental trauma. I've seen that over and over enough times that it's really important for people who are working with these altered states of consciousness to also be able to recognize developmental trauma. When the baby comes up or when the young one comes up, it's important that they are connected and can be communicated through preverbal communication, which is touch. Mm-hmm. So when you see a young one or a baby come up on online when they're in this altered state of consciousness, it's almost harmful not to connect and mm-hmm. not to offer safe ethical touch. So that we can give them that experience of, yes, you're okay. Yes, you're safe. This, yeah. this is very hard and you're not alone in this. And so touching, offering them safe ethical touch can communicate that more than just telling them with our words. If we just speak it, then we're only kind of speaking to the adult. We're not able to get to the child. These experiences are very embodied. Mm-hmm. 
So there's a way we're using touch to kind of speak to the body, mm-hmm. our, you know, body to body, cells to cells. Exactly. Yes. So we're speaking to the body that is expressing their needs. Yeah. Uh-huh. Okay. So we have to talk about touch training mm-hmm. and how that is essential mm-hmm. before you as a therapist or a clinician start to use touch in any session and especially a ketamine assisted therapy session. Yes. Okay. Yeah. Talk to us about that. Yes. So it is essential that we, before touching a client, before offering this as a modality, you must be trained in some form of touch and not only trained, but consult, have regular supervision and practice as well as knowing yourself. So when we work with our students at Relational Somatic Healing, we work with them coming to an embodied place within themselves, learning about themselves and understanding where is it that they're touching from? Are they touching from an embodied place? Are they distracted when they touch? Are they touching because they want something in particular to happen? Or are they open and present and centered and available for whatever is going to arise from the session. Yeah, this is just so important. The training and ongoing support. There's an episode with Erica. We're talking specifically about the ethics of touch. So if you are curious about using touch in therapy, if you have training or not, but you're curious about it, listen to that episode. I think it'll be supportive. Mm-hmm. Yes. But then from there, when a client comes to our office, there's a whole process of consent. Consent is not just a consent form that says that it's okay, they feel okay, and they're going to sign yes or no, whether they would like to receive touch. It's really taking our time to talk about touch and why we use touch. Why is it important? What is the client's history? You know, what does it bring up? Even just suggesting the word touch. What's that whole world that comes up for them? We want to take into consideration the power dynamics in the room. So just being a therapist ourselves, there's a power dynamic there with our clients and we want to name it. There can be age differences, different race, right? Is it okay for a white woman to touch a black woman? And how do those power dynamics show up? Mm. So everything in what's happening in the room and in between us needs to be addressed and tended to. When we're gathering, talking to our clients about this, it's also really important to see how are they responding, not just with their words, but also with their body. How is their body communicating with us? Mm -hmm. So are the words saying, yes, I'm open to it, but their body is pulling away or contracting? We need to take into consideration, maybe they don't feel that they can say no to us, right? And looking for those finite clues about the tone of their voice, or there might be a yes and a no and talking to them. Okay, I hear you say yes, but I'm also noticing that you're shutting down or your body's contracting. Let's talk about that. What's happening? So we really take a lot of time to explore all the parts 
that are communicating to us around this subject. Mm-hmm. It's mm-hmm. not until I feel like there's a full yes from the client, not just in their words, but in their body. And also me, if there's a full yes in my body, that I know that there's sometimes the clients that say, yes, it feels good to me, but my body is saying no. And I want to take my time to feel why is this coming up? I'm not sure. And it's okay to share that with the client. Like I hear you're ready, but for some reason I'm feeling a no. Let's explore this a little bit. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So it's consent for the client, but also consent with yourself. Yes. Right. Because how do we teach boundaries and honoring our body's wisdom if mm-hmm. we're not doing it ourselves as therapists? Yes. Yes. So we get to show by example. We get to demonstrate. Yeah. We count too. Yeah. I think so many therapists, myself included, to feel like, okay, I'm this is what my client wants. So I'm going to offer it without checking in to see how I'm doing. And if I'm coming from a place of, I'm going to do this for my client, but my body's saying no, that's a violation to me. And therefore it's not healing for my client mm-hmm. at all. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. We will take our time in this consent piece. From there, if I feel like there's a full yes, from my client and there's a full yes from me, then I will go into asking them, how would it be if you experience some of my touch today? Mm-hmm. So before we ever get to ketamine, before they're in an altered state of consciousness, I want to make sure they know what my touch feels like. They have a understanding of the different holds I might offer them, right? I'll take my time and this could take many sessions. And so that's why I want to give a lot of space before the journey so they can really sink into the comfort and we can work with whatever arises when they are in a full conscious state Mm -hmm. and they have the power to say yes or no. And then when we go into the ketamine journey, then they'll have the familiarity and they'll know what holds might happen. And if they have a low dose, they can still communicate pretty easily with me. Mm-hmm. And the higher doses, they won't be able to communicate as easily. So that's why it's really fundamental that we work with the touch with plenty of time before they go into a complete altered state of consciousness. Wow. I'm really appreciating how you're talking about this because it just, the whole process, I imagine, would make the client feel so like less, less anxious about entering with, uh, you know, the ketamine assisted therapy because they've already developed this, this safety with you, a felt sense of safety too. And they're in their body too. And, and cognitively they kind of know what's going to happen. You're establishing all this before you, you get to ketamine assisted therapy. Yes. Yes. Yeah. Safety is, is fundamental. Fundamental. Yeah. Wow. Well, typically how long is the journey? That's a great question. It's another reason why I love ketamine. It's only about a few hours. Mm-hmm. When a client comes to me, they will have spoken to their psychiatrist. So I, I don't administer the medication. They go to a psychiatrist first and I work with their psychiatrist. I also have somebody I can send them to if they don't have one available to them. The way I work, they will receive lozenges. And when they come in, you know, we'll, we'll chit chat and, and connect. And then they'll take the lozenges. 
which takes about, you know, 15 minutes. After that, they'll lie down Mm -hmm. from start to finish. It depends on each person's constitution, but on average, it's about, I'd say an hour, hour and a half, usually in about 45 minutes. It's sort of a peak experience and then they come down. That's what I like about the lozenges is they go up slowly and then they come down slowly. So it's not like they consume something and they're completely in this altered state right away which is helpful for people to feel, again, a sense of safety that it's slow. Yeah, it's gentle, mm-hmm. a lot gentler than than some other methods. Yes, yes. There's some grace with it, which yeah. is what I think about it. Yeah. yeah, yeah. And so I usually allow about three hours from start to finish. And sometimes people are finished sooner and sometimes a little bit later, but mm-hmm. just depends. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, thank you so much, Jackie, for for sharing a little bit of your journey. Before we go, is there anything else that feels important to share? Or do you feel complete, like you've Mm -hmm. said what you wanted to say here? Yeah. I first want to say thank you, Lou. This has been so lovely to just sit and chat with you. I, I enjoy your questions to be able to share something so important and that has been really healing in my life with my clients and with my own self. So thank you so much. Oh, you're welcome. My pleasure. I'm lucky <laughs> that I can do this. Uh-huh. Very good at it. <laughs> I don't know if I have anything else to share. All right. Well, yeah. we'll wrap this up. So listeners, if you have, I don't know, any thoughts, I mean, I'm so touched by Jackie sharing. If you want to share anything with me that came to your heart or mind while listening, don't hesitate. Get in touch. LouJacksonTherapy at gmail.com. And also I'll leave Jackie's information in the notes. Thank you, Lou. Thank you so much for listening to Therapy and the Body. To get in touch with me about trainings, interviews, or private sessions, visit my website at loujacksontherapy.com. Lou is spelt with an L-U.